you, Kathy. That was so nice. So let's just take a moment now to come into our ground and to each find our still point. If it's helpful to you, just close your eyes and become aware that you're breathing. Feel your breath rising and falling. Feel the aliveness in your body, the life force. Become aware of yourself as a field of conscious presence. Be aware of the timeless, eternal present. Can you let all concerns and distractions fall away while we're here together? Can you enter into the gentleness of your own soul and find a yes, a yes to being here, a yes to life, to love, to peace, and to hope? And as I say the following words of the Lord's, of the um, Collect for Purity, just let these words fill you, open you, and contain you and contain the world right now. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus calms the storm. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. You know, the interesting thing about this time is that really nothing in the world has essentially changed. We still move as the earth through space around the sun. The seasons are moving in the way that they should. Birds and animals are carrying on the way they should. All that's different is that humanity has begun to get a more immediate sense of its own mortality. Before all this, people were dying of every known and unknown disease. There was risk all around, but somehow we managed to convince ourselves that this was not our time until it was, and then we worried as much as we had to. <clears throat> now we see our mortality starkly in the events and statistics that are bowling in our direction. We see the risks, we see the threat to ourselves, and we see the world in a spin. There's an imminence 
to our awareness of mortality. But essentially, there's no difference. We always had to face our mortality at some point, and now we're doing it at the same time. The stillness with which we faced our mortality BC, before corona, needs to be the same with facing our mortality during and after. Our role, both for ourselves and for those around us, is to be a still point in a turning world. The idea that as all the world is spinning round, we can bring some stillness to ourselves and those around us in the same way that we practiced that stillness in times when people were less aware of their mortality. And this prayer that we've been looking at, the Colic for Purity, over the last few weeks is one way to bring us into that stillness. It starts, Almighty God, or ground of all being, divine consciousness, universal mind from which we come, however you like to call it, from that wisdom that all love comes from, a consciousness that contains all knowledge and information from which we can draw and add to. Almighty God, or O great memory of the universe of which we're a part, to whom all hearts are open, there's a continual channel available to us from that great consciousness into our own individual consciousness. It gives us life, it gives us our consciousness, and we're an intrinsic part of it, a portal into a living world in front of us that we experience and participate in a way of love and wisdom that we can usher into our lives. And to whom all desires known and from whom no secrets are hidden, you see, all that's going on in our minds, that great spirit sees everything, all the desires, all the fears, everything. And if we're aware of that greater consciousness by being in our hearts as well as our minds, then those fears, those desires can melt away. We can become still an open portal that love and wisdom can flow through us. And so today's line from that prayer, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts with the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Now you, you must remember that this is the colic for purity. And what that means in essence, what this phrase means in essence, is that the spirit of wisdom and love coming through us without the spin that our minds put on it. It's an interesting idea, I think, that the thoughts of our hearts. Normally, it's the thoughts of our minds, and I think this acknowledges the actual oneness of the heart and the mind. We think they're different, the heart and the mind, and I'm always suggesting that we should move from our hearts to our minds, or minds to our hearts, but in reality, they're one. Instinct, thought, heart, nature, all of it is the way we're conscious of things and express ourselves. There is a oneness in our expression. So to cleanse the thoughts of our hearts is really to have the heart and mind be of one supportive nature. Ram Das says that in your spiritual journey, you go from your spiritual life being in service to your psychodynamics, your mind, or your psychodynamics, you know, the, the next phase from that is your, your mind being in service to your spiritual journey. 
In other words, your heart being in service to your mind, going from that to your mind being at service to your heart. You move from your, your mind serving your heart. You move into that place where the heart is the most important thing. Because in reality, it's all one. It's all linked up. One mechanism of response to the stimulus that comes our way in consciousness. And this prayer is saying that whatever's coming our way, may our hearts and our minds be as one in allowing in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts with the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. May our hearts and minds be one in letting in the Spirit, the essence of what is holy, the essence of sacred love and wisdom that's available to us through that universal mind. This phrase is really, it's a get out of the way signpost. May we get out of the way so that some of the love and wisdom can flow through us. And that's the essence of being the still point in the turning world. Not having our minds or our hearts get in the way. Worrying about our mortality is one of those things. And also worrying about getting ill. And then feeling guilty about being ill. I think it's, it's really important to say that being ill is not something to be guilty about or ashamed about. It's no one's fault that they get ill. And it's not and should not be a source of shame to be ill. There's only one job for you to do if you're ill, and that's to get better while not infecting anybody else. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther from the 14th, 15th century, uh, is famous for the Reformation. But he's also uh, famous because he went through the Black Death, the plague of the Middle Ages. And he had, had a quote that he, he put out, a, a famous saying. He said, I ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what's expected of me and so I'm not responsible for either my own death or the death of others." If my neighbor needs me, Luther says, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. And, you know, I think that's all we can do in asking that we cleanse the thoughts of our hearts with the inspiration of our, your Holy Spirit. We're really giving ourselves as those living sacrifices that Paul talked about. Therefore, I urge you, Brothers, says Paul, on account of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but by the, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That idea of sacrifice from the Latin words sacre ficio, sacre holy, ficio to make, to make holy. So to be a living sacrifice is to be made holy, to be open to the living power of the Holy Spirit by our minds and our hearts being as one. 
But I wonder how seriously we can take all of this. It's all, you know, well and good to spout off all these words in a church and have people feel good about themselves and their lives, a sort of spiritual backdrop to everything that we do in our marvelous lives. But when the push comes to the shove, you know, when the rubber hits the road, when the proverbial hits the fan, can we take it seriously? Or should we just run for the hills of our survival that our minds tempt us to do? Is this just as much of an idealized, fabricated reality as Zeus being on the mountaintop? Do you know, they say the big question about Christianity is not, is it true, but does it work? And I think it's the same for the idea of universal consciousness and us being a portal for love coming into the conscious world. Does it work? And if so, are we really willing to commit to it? Do you know, I said in a previous message a few weeks ago that I'm in it to the death. And I'm just going to quote from the message that I said. I said, I'm in it to the death, which really means that there is no cut and running if the going gets tough in my life. We never know when something is going to hit us and we're going to be tested. In a sense, we have to be ready for it at all times. We cannot be holier than thou, and then something hits us and you throw it all up in the air and run for the hills, so to speak. If you're going to live, I said in this message, by a set of values and principles, then you have to live and see through all situations. They have to be grounded, these principles, in a reality that's not just a fair-weather reality, that idealized, fabricated reality that religion can be. You know, God's my friend and will heal me. And then I get ill and God doesn't heal me. What happens then? But if you do have a robust set of principles that includes the light and the shadow, the rough and the smooth, that's grounded in a reality of life that both makes sense and supports us, what can we do in challenging situations? If we have that set of principles... And I really want to ask you, do you have that set of principles? And I think that really is the crux of the matter. Is all this just snake oil? Or can we rely on it? And for me, I can say it does work. You know, I have my practice, and when I go into it, I find that my heart and my mind become one. I become aware of myself as a part of a greater whole a living, breathing universe of which I'm a part. And I can open my heart and allow something to flow through me. I can cleanse the thoughts of my hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And you know, for that, I don't need some peak enlightenment experience. It's not even something that we're working towards. It's just to show up in the present moment and just allow myself to be, knowing really that this is it, that this is all there is. And to some extent, we can really all see that now. And that does bring a peace that passes all understanding, even a peace about my mortality. In fact, the whole process of meditation is a bit like a, a mini-death. It's the death of the mind and its thinking. 
And that surely is one of the main fears around death. The fear is the fear of the thinking I not being able to perceive itself. The fear of death is that of the thinking I afraid that it will not be able to perceive itself. And when you go into meditation and you're letting go of that thinking I and merging into the aliveness of consciousness, that's really what it's about. Which is one pretty good idea, the thinking I, of what happens in death, that we flow into the aliveness of consciousness. But don't ask me how that happens because I've not yet been there. As Martin Luther says, if God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I've done what's expected of me. And I think we can be at peace with that too. So see what you can do to be at that still point in a turning world. Have heart and mind become one and allow yourself to be infused by that holy and life-giving essence that's at the heart of all life. Then you'll be a resource to all those around you and an inspiration to others who do not have a grounded reality to rely on. Let's pray. So we do pray for our world, all the fear and the worry, anxiousness that exists there. We pray for our leaders, that you may put love and care in their hearts and they may know the right things to do. And we especially pray for all those who are on the front line at the moment, particularly first responders, doctors, nurses, all those preparing food and delivering it, those in our supermarkets, grocery stores, all those working at the moment at risk themselves. We just give thanks to them. Pray for all those who are traveling home, college students and people who are in difficult situation traveling home alone at the moment, people who are fearful. We particularly pray for those we've been asked to pray for. Joan Downey, John from Clark's Pharmacy, Rita Hunter, Heather Morrow, Brett McKenzie, Kevin Badalian, Petra Krimmel, Marianne Boltz, Diane Shelton, Jim Stark, the O'Keefe family, Christopher Gavitt, Saville Ryan, and the family after the death of the husband, Charles Marsh, the family of the little girl killed in a car crash in Aspen on Sunday, and the family of David Harrod, who died yesterday. Also pray for all those who are in our hearts that we want to pray for. Amen.